0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the HR Works Podcast brought to you by HR Daily Advisor. I'm your host, Josh Zygmunt, Content Director for Simplify Media. The HR Works Podcast provides clear, relevant, and actionable information on topics that matter to you, the HR professional. When you're armed with the best practices and strategies to attract, retain, and engage top talent and deliver exceptional service to your organization, HR just works. On today's episode, we're joined by Larry Nelson Guillen. Senior Talent Management Product Manager at American Family Insurance. Larry is a human resources professional and diversity equity and inclusion practitioner with experience in both the public and private sectors. His career has spanned across national and global organizations, including the Federal Reserve Bank of Dallas, CoreLogic, Inc., the City of Dallas, and Vanguard. Before his move into HR, Larry had an extensive career in benefits consulting, investment banking, mortgage finance, and business development. An avid advocate of diversity, equity, and inclusion, Larry has held numerous volunteer positions with organizations such as the North Texas Coalition of LGBTQ Employee Resource Groups, the Texas Diversity Council Advisory Board, and the DEI Committee at Dallas HR. Larry will be participating in an upcoming panel discussion with the HR Daily Advisor on Monday, June 5th, helping us kick off Diversity Week and a week of great DEI focused programming that will include this episode. While Larry's session will be available for on demand viewing by the time this episode drops, I wanted to connect with Larry and share a bit more of his story and his valuable insight on DEI. So let's welcome Larry to the HR Works podcast. Larry, welcome and thanks for coming on.
1: Hey, Josh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And uh, hey, I'm going to give you kudos because right off the bat, you got my last name right. Not a lot of people do that. So that's amazing, I've got to tell you. I, well, I appreciate well, that. well, thank
0: you. I'm glad to get us kicked off on the right note. It's great meeting you. It's great to have you on. Thanks for carving out the time. So let's get you introduced to our audience here, the HR Works audience, Larry. And tell us, why HR? What led you to pursuing a career in human resources?
1: You know, that's a really good question. Um, As I think back to this, you know, you read a little bit of my intro there. And I had, uh, I really had an extensive career in sales, if I had to sum it up, right? So I was doing business development, sales, but I found in every role, the strategy that I really liked to work through was people and empowering people to drive those business outcomes. And I found myself being just drawn to it. And very early in my career, I actually had a stint where I did an internship um, at Vanguard, as you mentioned, and it was through HR and I just loved it. And I, I just never came back to it, but it always stuck in the back of my mind. And I think like many listeners, at some point, we all say, you know, hey, I want to help people. And that was kind of my take, right? But then I was challenged one day by another HR professional as I was just kind of doing an informal inter- interview. And they said, well, Larry, beyond helping people, why and how, how are you going to get those business outcomes, right? And I thought, man, that's a really good question. You know, I think innately I wanted to just go in there and change the world for all employees, make it better, make it where they loved it, wherever they were working at. And then as I thought through that question, I thought, how can I be strategic about helping businesses enable their people to drive those business outcomes? And how can we keep those people, right? They're going to be our... Key uh, drivers of success, really. So uh, we can invent all the products we want and come up with the best strategies for sales and all these other things, which are wonderful. But behind that are going to be people, and we got to realize and recognize how do we motivate, retain, engage, uh, attract all of these things. And once I started digging into it a little bit more, and I started doing my uh, MBA studies, I thought, you know, it's a perfect time to, to shift and to pivot here at this at this time. And so. Just kind of catapulted, and you know, things started with an internship here in HR, and the next thing I knew, I looked back, and I was like, hey, I, I've been doing this work, and I love it, and I'm empowering people to be their best selves and do the work that they're hired to do, and even do it even better, so really empowering them. So long-winded answer, but I think it all starts with, I really want to change the world, but how can I do it through people and make an impact in an organization?
0: Well, that's a great answer, Larry. Thank you for sharing that. And right, you're just looking to make an impact on people and having a passion for people, and again, what a great way to bring you into the HR community. So thanks for sharing that, Larry.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it.
0: All right. So let's dig into DEI. And as I mentioned, we'll have you on the HR Daily Advisor as part of our panel discussion to kick off Diversity Week on HR Daily Advisor. But looking at DEI and just the current market trends, we're seeing so much challenging the workforce in terms of layoffs and organizations really pulling back. How has that recent trend impacted DEI efforts for HR teams and organizations?
1: You know, as I was thinking through this, and it's just a dual impact that we're seeing, right? On the first hand, we're looking at the fact that there's a little bit of a fear base right now. You know, am I allowed to say this? Can I do this? Can I engage my workforce and teach them about X, Y, Z, whatever it may be, or um, bring awareness to them? And so I think it's impacting uh, some HR teams in the sense that, you know, we're being a little bit more cautious, maybe taking a step back and saying, it's time that we start looking at uh, all these programs we've done. But I think that there's strength in that because we can start looking at them through a more strategic lens. Instead of saying, hey, I'm just going to bring a speaker, talk about XYZ History Month, here you go. Start thinking, well, now that we're past the awareness, maybe we've done this the last three or four years, how do we bring it from awareness to actionable that we can do in the organization. So I think that's, that's one, it's really alerted the HR community. Okay, what do we need to do with this and make it actionable? I think number two, um, some organizations may get so far from it and maybe they won't staff up their DEI. They'll say, hey, this is the first place to go. We don't really need this initiative. But I think those organizations are gonna then look back and go, wait a minute, we had this whole 2020 thing where we had this awareness that we need to be inclusive. And even before that, I mean, those that have been in the workforce, from the early 80s, can you know, sensitivity training, was what it used to be called. And so just how our work culture has shifted. And so I think that if we walk too far away from this, what's gonna happen is the younger generations, the workforce that is now preparing to enter is gonna remind us real quickly and go, wait a minute, what are y'all doing in this space? And how can that be my authentic self? The newer generations, and I, and I even count myself in their part, I'm a millennial myself, right? We look at those things, that's important. You know, What are the social causes that you're supporting? How can I be my true authentic self at work? Maybe I'm tired of hiding who I am and I just don't wanna do that. So I think that those organizations are gonna be quick to look back and go, oh, maybe we shouldn't uh, downsize so quick. Maybe we need to come back to this effort. My fear is that they may be a little bit too far behind. So organizations that do that won't be caught up with the strategies that we need to not only bring in new talent, but then also customer inclusion because that talent's going to be able to drive and tell you, okay, I'm in sales. Here's what the clients are telling me on the street. Here's how the needs are changing. Well, if you get too far removed from that and the needs have changed a lot for this newer generation, for many demographical changes, then I think companies are going to start falling behind. They're going to see the dollar value and they're going to go, ah, We should have probably just kept where we were. Now we got to catch up a little bit. So,
0: yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting just to see, again, as many teams are scaling back, right? We're seeing layoffs impact many industries, especially in tech. A lot of organizations who had put DEI right at the forefront when there was a hiring boom, when the great reshuffle was in place and organizations were looking at corporate culture and strategy and really trying to, to lean into growing their DEI programs and really putting a concerted effort behind that. The recent trend in layoffs is certainly challenging that. I mean, we're seeing just across media publications, the notice that even CDO roles that once were a priority and once were a growing role, some of those are being scaled back. And it's certainly a cautious time for DEI culture within organizations. But with that, I think HR teams can really help support and fortify those steps forward, Right, the efforts that they've made over the last few years to improve their diversity efforts. So what are some of those best practices that HR teams can put into practice, can put into place to keep supporting and fortifying their DEI culture and not fall back during
1: some of these challenging times? That's a really good question and observation. You know, as some of the things I feel like HR can continue doing is embedding, and we hear this a lot, embed DEI into your work streams. So what does that look like, right? How do we demystify that in, in, in our workplace culture? Even within HR, we can use all these tech words and we may have an idea of what that looks like. But I think to me, what that looks like is maybe at some point we had isolated or more silo DEI uh, departments or divisions within organizations. But I think the move and the trend and one of the best practices to say, hey, look, if there needs to be a downsize and a reshift. What are we doing to embed those practices into our people's uh, services structures? So a key example is myself. I moved into this newer senior talent management product role, and my fear was going, well, I love DI. How do I how do I continue that conversation and embedding that work to give equitable resources to everyone that's at work here at my organization? And I had a, a very wise mentor say, but Larry, what makes you think you have to stop the work? You're going into talent management. How about embedding it there? And you know what? It, 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 I was so solid-minded myself. It just kind of lifted these scales and opened up a new world. And now that I'm in this role, I'm looking at these talent management processes and programs. But now I'm asking things like, well, wait a minute. How is this equitable? Or how are the women in our organization maybe, uh, maybe going through this process differently than the men? And do we need to reconsider? Or just different demographics? And I think that's allowing us to really take that DEI lens from a silent approach and maybe doing a lot of programming on awareness to something that's tangible and actionable and saying, okay, now we've got someone here that's going to look at recruiting, let's say, that's going to be able to say, where are we getting our different sources for talent? Are we going to the same places? Are we making sure that we're diversified in thought and process? I, I also think that the very course of our country, as we are changing demographics, it's just going to present itself a world where we're going to wake up very soon, we're getting there. And some may have heard of a minority majority where we're gonna have underrepresented groups be the biggest groups in in America. And so now we as an organization are gonna have to shift all over the place, right? And so it's best to do it now and start embedding that now. So we know how to attract different talent. How do we reach different customers? uh, How do we retain different talent that has different needs? And so I think that it takes a concerted effort To make sure that DEI exists within the organization and that you're still looking at it, whether it be through a business development lens, whether it be through a sales and strategy lens, whatever it is that you still have those individuals that have that passion, that drive, certifications, whatever it may be, to continue looking through that lens.
0: That's great. Larry, I love that idea of embedding to really support DEI culture within an organization, right? Bring it into every aspect of the organization, right? It doesn't have to just be a standalone piece. even just looking at it as DEI, as a pillar within an organization, could be where it's challenging. If you integrate it into all the aspects of what you do, that really makes it interwoven as part of the culture, part of the corporate culture, and certainly will will strengthen it in some of these more challenging times where it's not something that can just be cut off as a standalone option. It's part of everything you do, and, and that will certainly keep it alive depending on how the organization changes, right? how it modifies during challenging times and during successful times.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Agreed. And I think that um, the idea of of looking outside of a silo, and even if you are in an organization where you are in a separate department, that's still okay. But how are you reaching out and making sure, hey, am I touching these processes that are eventually going to trickle down to our front end client, which are our employees and our customers?
0: So, Larry, looking at DEI culture, what is one thing HR teams should start doing to improve their DEI
1: culture in 2023? And 2023, what's the one thing, you know, uh, incredibly in 2023, we're still facing uh, challenges in getting buy-in from some organizational uh, top leadership. We, I know we've had, started having these conversations, especially in 2020, they took place, right? Where organizations and senior leadership came together and said, what do we do? There's There's social injustices or there's things happening that we can no longer ignore because our employees are coming to work and they're being burdened by everything that's going on in the world. So I think that first and foremost, continue having that message iteratively coming from your senior leadership. I think that's always going to be uh, key. You're never going to have 100% agreeance, right? No one's going to say, yes, I'm in an organization. Everyone's 100% on board to the EI." unfortunately. Uh, for- fortunately, though, as agents of change, we want to go in there and make sure that our leaders, our senior leaders, especially, are prepared to deliver that message, continuously iterate that message you know, some organizations may be coming to the fruition of some DEI goals they may have established in 2020. It's now been, you know, going on three, going on four years, maybe even five-year goals. How do we continue having those DEI visions and goals embedded into the corporate and organizational goal and not just think of it as, hey, this was the hot thing for five years and we kind of put it on the shelf, but make sure that leadership still continues iterating. And even if it might not be on a dashboard that says, hey, we're going to have to Hire X amount of people by, you know, diverse people by 2025 20, or whatnot. But still continue that that uh, theme to say, okay, now that we've reached that milestone, how do we now move on from that to maybe belonging, maybe inclusion? How do we move the culture so that we're retaining our employees? So I like think it always comes down to that because, uh, you know, here in, 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 in just in many organizations, and I think just it's nature to look at hierarchy and say, hey, if someone's saying it, I'm going to jump on board because I know I can trust them. They're leading our organizations in the right place we're going. And so I think that that messaging can't be lost.
0: Yeah, and, and that goes back to that idea of really just embedding DEI initiatives and DEI culture into so much of what the organization does and into all the goals that you're looking at year in, year out, as opposed to, again, having it just be a standalone goal that's maybe one of, of five or six within a, a yearly Goal that an organization is setting forward, really looking for ways to to integrate and get that buy in, as you mentioned, from the top down.
1: Yep. And, I, and I'll tell you what, if I can share on the flip side, please, that, yeah. That organizations should consider stopping, at least, right? Is I think that, uh, especially if you want to create just productive DI results, is um, stop the programming that isn't strategically embedded into an organization. You know, we've had a few years where we've had a lot of awareness programming. And I myself have attended a few of them, right? And I go, oh, I want to hear more about this. And a topic you can cover so many times now, but what we want to do is take that topic and make it alive. How do we make it actionable? Let's say we've talked about allyship and we've done a lot of awareness work on allyship. Are we going to just continue rehashing that training over and over? Or are we going to take it and say, what do we do to build allyship in our organization? here? Maybe what we need to do is think about what is the... What is the meter in this organization for allyship? Maybe we need to do a, a, an organizational um, uh, assessment and figure out where are we at in allyship? Where are some areas of improvement? Now you're talking strategy, right? Now you're talking, do people still need cultural competence? Do they need exposure, education? What are things that we need to do to help our organizations become better allies within themselves here? Because ultimately my diverse team, they're not gonna look the same. So I need them to be allies, I need them to work together to produce so that we can have those continuous outcomes for the for the business, whatever business I'm in. So I think it's, it's time we start evaluating our programs and say, are we still at an awareness? And start evaluating, where are we at in this DEI curve? And some organizations need to still be there. So don't take that the wrong way. But I think a lot of organizations that have done much of this work already need to now start moving in the needle a little more and saying how can we make this actionable and i know it goes back into that whole embedding it and how do we do things but i think that uh i think even employees are asking for that they're starting to say like hey we've heard this message how can we move to the next iteration of this how can we make this live for us and for organizations
0: yeah bring strategy into it right utilize that diversity that you're creating that you're putting so much effort behind to improve your organization to build that dei culture now put that into action and actually let's bring some strategy into it and capitalize on it bring the bring the business end into
1: it and, and i couldn't agree with you more and i think in, this, especially in the especially the dei world or culture i think from the outside in it's like oh those people they put a lot of programming just to let us know like on awareness months right pride month black history month and those things are great and we still need awareness but i think we need to i think that's kind of the notion that people think oh they're, they're just program planners or they're just event planners glorified event planners It's a lot more, and I think there's not a lot of work behind that people see, and that's where I challenge DEI practitioners like myself. How can we take this and let's be strategic thinkers. Let's be like our peers in strategy that are designing strategy for different sales or for outreach and for marketing, right? Very same way. How do we do that within our organizations? And we can start nudging that little strategic hat a little bit tighter on our heads.
0: Yeah, it's finding the advantage in your DEI culture that sets you apart from your competition absolutely using that as a tool using that makes you better and can help you succeed
1: absolutely and as you know the temperature of your own organization even seeking out areas where you may say like why, why haven't we done this maybe three years ago we weren't there religious diversity is something people are talking about more these days right and so now maybe you're at an organization where it's like wait we haven't really thought about this and what small moves can we make sometimes it's not about hey everyone gets the you know three extra days off Sometimes it might just be as easy as saying, "Hey, we've got this extra room. We just label it a meditation room, make give people the opportunity to use that room as they'd like. Make sure that everyone is kind and polite when they're there. And I think those are big wins. And I, so we don't have to think so large. But how do we do little things that get us to that next iteration? And maybe that's new. That's where it takes us a little bit beyond the uncomfortable zone. You know, we're taught don't speak about certain things at work. Well, now you can't because that's that's what drives you. That's who you have always been. Right. So if we don't have your full capacity and your full personhood here at work, and you're thinking I've got to hide or I've got to change this, it, it does no benefit for me for any part of the organization because we're losing that potential of you. So, I think just little things like that you can start looking at at how do how do we strategically continue moving where we need to make moves within each relative organization.
0: Uh, That's so well said. It's that idea of those small moves can make big wins. Uh, I I really like that. So thanks for that, Larry. So Larry, what is something you're excited about for the future of DEI culture and organization?
1: You know, I'm always learning. I think one thing about DEI is is it's always changing. If you're not within, uh, let's say, the know of DEI, you know, at one point you're saying, well, I used to say – you know, uh, minority and now it's changed to underrepresented and now it's changed to marginalized. which one is it? And the evolution of language the the beautiful thing its gonna keep evolving, right? It's never, there weren't words for podcasts in 1970, right? We didn't even know what podcasts were. So there there just wasn't a need yet for that, to define that. So uh, I share that because I'm excited to see what new areas of diversity that we're discovering, this intersection, the beauty of intersectionality um, recently, I was reading an article about uh, the newer generations, the younger generation, especially Gen Z, being much more um, racially mixed. And I thought, wow, I don't, I don't know that I, I know that I could pinpoint everyone's mix, right, or or how they grew up. But if I start understanding how, what does that person feel when they're combining two cultures and they're found they find themselves in the middle of it? What are things that I can help them? Um, get through and achieve in their personal lives that make them a better employee, that make them a customer that wants to stick with us. So I'm always, I'm, I'm excited to see um, new things that we're, we're learning about ourselves as a society, um, the challenges that we've been facing, and, and even things that, again, may, may seem taboo, like religious diversity is something that um, I'm curious to see what, what comes of it. I know that there's a lot more um, out there. There's Um, indices that even measure the religious diversity in your organization. So I'm thinking that the conversation is going to become much more robust about what defines, you know, what, what makes my identity and how do I bring that at work? And how can I, how can I be my full authentic self as I'm revealing more about myself to your workplace, because I want to be a good and and a productive employee.
0: Yeah, that is really exciting. Thank you for sharing that, Larry. That idea that language continues to evolve and our understanding of diversity will continue to evolve. And, and what does that mean? As you mentioned, even bringing religious diversity into the mix, like that may not have been something that teams were considering two, three years ago as they were bringing DEI programs to the forefront of their organization, their corporate culture. But as the idea of diversity continues to evolve, teams will start to look at that. And I think that's exciting to see just how organizations will evolve and their DEI culture will evolve as a result
1: not only is it exciting but it's also i think flexing dni practitioners professionals even all hr uh, professionals to now start thinking how do we overcome challenges because there's going to be challenges that are sometimes outside of our control maybe we live in a state that is like whoa we didn't expect this when we moved here there could be some that are within our control maybe i don't have uh, the trainers that i need for di right now so how do i get people into these roles but uh, apart from all that what i figure is that the person that's in these roles that's embedding DEI is going to learn a lot of agility. They're going to learn a lot of communication skills. Uh, They're probably going to upskill in learning legislation and making sure that we know that we're doing the right things and the appropriate things according to the laws. And so I think there's a lot of learning opportunities. So that excites me too, because as DEI professionals, we can start looking at, or, or maybe have a greater influence in individuals looking at us as, hey, they are bona fide strategists. They're not just program managers and designers, but they actually do work that matters at the end of the day.
0: Yeah. And if we've learned anything over the last few years, a skill like agility uh, is certainly valuable, right? We have to learn to adapt and, and deal with different changes and unexpected changes as they come. And that's only going to make us stronger. And yes, upskilling is certainly something that we've all learned to embrace in these different times that we've experienced over the last three years. So Larry, let me ask you this. Looking at and speaking about agility and just skills and and traits that we've all learned and and adapted, is there something that you've learned and really picked up over the past few years, really since 2020, which was such a changing time for so many of us, that has made you a more effective leader?
1: Yeah, you know what, if I'd have to say one skill is um, to intentionally listen, and and that means really slowing down because, you know, as, as many probably practitioners and people that were in HR that were doing this DI work in 2020, it was, uh, hey, this just happened in our world, you know, the George Floyd incident. And so now it's like, how do we move our organizations to respond to this? And some organizations just didn't even know, do we even respond? Is this our responsibility? There were so many questions. Uh, and myself included, we were quick to say, okay, we need listening sessions. We need this, we need that. You know, how do we make our employees make sure that they're, that they're feeling psychologically safe or that we're providing as much as we can on our end to make them feel like they do belong and in are included organizations. What I found is those were great for the moment, but then I think we took that momentum too far and said, okay, now I'm just going to keep planning and I'm going to you know, keep iterating and best practices. Let me know all this. And that was great. But because every organization is so different, it's such an organic construction of their own culture. What I learned is, is I've moved even within the pandemic, I moved with, within organizations was to learn, to listen right and you learn this through mba training make sure you learn all about about your stakeholders and you want to build relationships that's the theory but no one says how how do you build relationships with stakeholders and so for me it was sitting down and just getting to know the individuals that i knew were impacted or that were going to lead in this space and to say hey what are your needs and and where where are the gaps and how can we as an organization help you Then they were able to come back and say, hey, Larry, we'd love a speaker to speak on XYZ or right now we'd like our mental health services to come and talk to us about what does our mental health service provider provide to us, right? So I think all these things are important so you're not missing the mark in the moment for the need of the moment. And at the same time, you're doing the strategic work looking forward and saying, okay, how do I still have employee buy-in, organizational buy-in, and how am I still moving this forward? not just some ethereal uh, needle forward, but how am I really tangibly, again, doing the work that's going to help XYZ group move from you know this entry role to the next role, or how am I going to help them progress through the, their career here? Or how Or What do I need to do so that they continue being productive and they feel and know that they're a valuable part of our organization? So it's, it's, it's a lot of work and it can be daunting based on the size of the organization. So I think that 2020 certainly allowed me to listen, hear a lot, uh, marinate a little bit in people's thoughts and uh, their feedback, and then say, okay, how do we move forward from this? And how do I, uh, again, just make it actionable? When if people have told me, hey, we don't need a listening circle, am I going to take that personally, right? The moment might have helped, but maybe we're beyond that now. So I think that's that's a very important skill.
0: Well, Larry, what's great about that is it goes back to the initial thing we talked about of what got you into HR and it's that passion for impacting people and making a difference for people. And you're just learning new ways to do that. That's great and just so
1: exciting to hear. You're right. It does go back to that. And I think I would say probably at the heart of what we do in HR is that we want to ultimately, um, and for me at least, the personal wins is when I can walk out of, uh, let's say on a Friday and say, man, this week I just... had such a tough week, but I remember X, Y, Z employee and the great conversations or I helped them or maybe they got promoted this week and it was part of a career development program I did. Whatever the case is, that to me carries me on throughout the next week and go, okay, here are the challenges. How do we do, what do we do next, right? And you're not always gonna have those weeks. Sometimes the weeks are gonna be like, ah, today I had to, maybe we had to let go of some people, right? And how, and and thinking through how, what does that do for the strategy? What do I need to do next? So employees feel don't feel so scared, they still feel safe within my organization, so that we can continue moving forward. So lots of highs and lows, but I think um, working through them and through your organizational culture, it's it's and leading in that is definitely gonna is, is gonna help out a lot, take you a long way.
0: That is so great, so well said. Now, Larry, has there been a piece of professional advice that you've leaned on, maybe a saying or a philosophy? that you could pass along to our audience of HR professionals. Think of it almost as a pay-it-forward program, something we can leave our listeners with to help make them better.
1: Yeah, you know, um, and I think I alluded to this a little earlier, and it just radically changed my approach, and I think it's forever going to change it. But when I moved into this talent management role that I'm in now, from a DEI role, and I've been in a DEI role now four or five years, right? And so I've just been knee-deep working myself in there, and, and I've heard this from other people, too, but really the fact that, hey, don't think so myopically about where your career is, right? So I know for myself, I know the areas of HR that I don't think I would enjoy very much, um, but it's good to know that. And before, there was a shame to be like, oh, if I didn't want to go into XYZ part of HR, am I I a bad HR person, right? Now? But does that make me a, a bad HR person? Because I should be flexible enough to go into every area, the fact of the matter is, my skill set is a lot different. And I look at some people like, oh man, you can run an Excel sheet and then a Tableau sheet and do this. I can't do any of that. And that's OK, because that's not where my skill sets lie. All that to say is that I don't think of my role so myopically and saying, if I'm just in talent management, this is where I want to be. But I like to flex out and say, OK, what's my next role? It may not always be a promotional move. It may be lateral, because I want to think about what's my end role. I know for my end goal, I've got, uh, I'd love to be in people leadership within HR. And so I started thinking, okay, I haven't held a benefits role. Maybe I need to go into benefits next. Is that my forte? No, not not really, but I want to go in there because I want to learn. And it might be a lateral move. And it might be a move for me to just gain that experience to say, okay, I've tried this, uh, but I've got this experience. I'm going to go back. Maybe I'm going to flex back into DEI. I had a, an HR director that said, Larry, don't think of your career in HR as so. Uh, as a ladder from, from A to B to C. Think of it as you're diving deep into one topic, then you're going to take out, take some breadth, and maybe you're going to take a generalist role, and you're going to start doing all the things HR. Then you're going to say, hey, out of this, I like L&D, so let me dive really deep into that. Maybe I take an L&D role. And then maybe after a few years, I think, let me step back outside. Let me look at what is an HRVP role, right? Still a generous role in the higher uh, spectrum, and now i start gaining all this experience so that i'm a well-rounded hr professional so that way when someone comes to me and let's say i'm in a recruiting role and someone goes hey by the way these are some of the things that we're considering in the business you can go ah i can speak to that because right i know what an VP person does or i know what benefits is thinking when they're thinking about putting a package together and i think that for me is ultimately going to make you not only well-rounded and a strong hr professional it's also going to um keep you relevant in different industries within HR. And I think it's going to career path you if you want to, for sure, into leadership for people within HR. Um, and even out of it, right? You may go into a, 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 into compensation and maybe you it's like, oh, I don't know if I wanted to go in that. You may really love it and say, I love this. This is the best place to be for me. This is where my strengths are. Stay in there because you know that you found a place and a home. But if you're still waffling or still thinking through what areas of HR I really want to go to, or maybe I want to try that out, I'd say go for it. Take take a risk and, and go for it. Make sure that you don't uh, you don't think of your skills just myopically, but think of them with a lot of breadth and depth.
0: Oh, that's some great advice. You're diversifying your skill set. Yeah. What better uh, tie in a way for us to wrap up there than again talking about just diversifying your skill set, bringing some diversity into even your knowledge base, right? That's always a great thing and just a great way to keep growing. So yeah, thanks for sharing that, Larry. So again, we're here with Larry Nelson Guillen, Senior Talent Management Product Manager at American Family Insurance. Now, Larry, if you don't mind, tell us a bit about what you're currently working on with American Family Insurance. And if you have anything you want to plug, anything you're excited about, now's a great time to share it with our audience.
1: Yeah, you know, um, lots of great things um, going on in my role. Interestingly enough, my role now is, um, and I've been in talent management, coming into the senior role as a product manager, uh, let me just say I've upskilled a lot in what a product manager does, scrums, and using uh, project management plans and strategic te- you know templates and, and it was good. It's definitely pulled me out of my comfort zone. but one of the great um, one of the benefits of what I get to do is I get to uh, help build our career journey products, if you will, or how do we internally grow and mobilize our workforce and how do we provide those opportunities? and is that a need? The answer is yes, it's a need. But uh, what are the different areas we can go doing that? So I'm looking at a vast array of things um, in that. One of the most exciting things I'm working on right now is a job rotations program. Now why that's exciting for me is because I clearly remember when I was getting my MBA, uh, sitting in a classroom, and this was back in t- 2019, right before the pandemic, maybe 2018, uh, when I had this class and uh, it was an organizational behavior class and I, we were reading about job rotations and how that uh, impacts employee engagement. And I just remember thinking, oh, this is so cool. I, how cool for people that work in this that actually create this, right? Flash forward now to where I'm at now. And uh, the work is like, Larry, we need something that's gonna be job rotations internally. Here's a creative license. Go ahead and get this product ready. And we're gonna go through the process of approval. So I just did the proposal, which we'll be visiting soon. And, and hopefully that will be uh, something that we will be launching soon uh, within our organization. But for me, it's just exciting because it comes alive, right? It was it was a theory that was presented to me as an MBA. And now it's here I am, I I thought the people that did it, Oh, how cool it would be to do it. That I'm peoples now. So that makes me really excited. Um, You know, and I still keep my I still keep my uh, my my foot in the DI world. I think that's a lens that's always going to be something that I wear. um, And So I still like to volunteer and do DEI work within the community. Um, You know that the the uh, the uh, panel that we're doing here for HR Advisors Diversity Week is part of that work. Um, And then uh, in October, we'll be having a Unity Conference here in Texas, which is an LGBTQ conference that's held annually. So I'll be working on that, and um, that's all voluntarily uh, volunteer work. But it also gives a lot of good exposure to other partners within the state um, and business partners. So uh, I plug that because you never know when you can do networking and where your next opportunity may come from. So not that I'm looking, but I'm just saying the name's out there. So you, as you start networking and doing what you're passionate about, people take notice. So that's what brought me to from in the first place. So I'm very grateful for that. And so I think those are the, the two things that are, are really exciting me right now.
0: Well, that's great and yeah you have got some exciting things on the horizon so uh really excited for you larry but again here with larry nelson guillen senior talent management product manager at american family insurance larry before we let you go this is how we like to close out all of our episodes with our guests and it's all built around motivation so when you wake up in the morning and your feet hit the floor what is the one thing that gets you motivated to start your day
1: oh what gets me motivated to start my day you know it's uh Not a lot of people know this about this about me. So I'm about to reveal more to the audience than a lot of people know about me. I I have a master's of divinity background. So I actually, um, at one point, and I still may in my life, wanted to be a missionary and just go, again, with people, help people, right? I want to be in the trenches, building water wells. I want to make sure people are are getting the the treatments they they get. It's just all about um, just how can I help people? And so I think when I wake up, uh, for me, what motivates me is I think my calling my calling to make this world a better and equitable place for sure that gives me so much drive and the fact that i'm in a position and i'm in a position now of privilege to be able to help someone maybe within my organization maybe outside of my organization maybe a linkedin contact uh maybe a friend who's saying larry i just need a help can you look at my resume right that motivates me because that makes me feel like i'm living my purpose so when you know your purpose and when you know what that purpose is about it just permeates your life, and it just drives you. And so, I think for me, learning my purpose, defining it, it didn't just come easily, and it's always a, it's always moldable. So, I think those things definitely continue motivating me.
0: That's awesome! It's making that impact on people, which which is yeah. what brought you here in the first place. So, Larry Nelson Guillen, thank you so much for joining the HR Works podcast. It was great getting to chat with you a bit more, getting to hear your story. I certainly, hope this isn't the last time we get to talk. But again, thank you for being a guest and look forward to keeping the conversation going.
1: Hey, I appreciate it, Josh. Thank you so much for having me. All right.
0: Thanks, Larry. Thank you for listening to the HR Works podcast. Be sure to check out our new episodes every Tuesday. Follow us on all major streaming platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, and Amazon Audible.